Hello. Hello. Hi, Vaughn. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Okay, good. And I can hear you too. Awesome. Great. So, hello. This is the Entrepreneurs Podcast. Um, welcome. I'm MC Basil, uh, the host. Um, would you like to introduce yourself, please? Yes, I am Vaughn Aaron Foster Jr. I am a author, editor, musician, and therapist. I guess in the context of this morning, I am in the editor slash author hat. Great stuff. Great. Um, so we'll be discussing uh, various aspects of the writing business, um, splitting it up into uh, segments um, for to investments you've made, running the business, sales, marketing, return on investment, and then we'll wind down. Um, between each segment, um, I will um, let you know the time index uh, for the audience um, to make it easier for them to navigate. So, um, so all sound good? Okay. Great. Okay, so we'll jump straight in. Um, so when did you actually write your that is a good question. I think I probably started the initial writing back in 2015. Mm. Um, and between then and when it was published in 2020, and then again in 2021, there have just been a lot of throwing parts out, rewriting, changing the structure. Um, so okay. I think within this first book, it definitely was a bit of a process of growing as a writer as well as writing the book itself. And when did you figure out it was a business? I figured out it was a business probably when I started the rewrite that became what was published in 2000. 18 2019 mm. um, where I realized that I want this book not just to write a book to write a book but I want this to do something I want this to impact people and I would like to make money off of it yes um, yeah and uh, sorry do you say the when did you publish again um I self-published the book in May of 2020 mm -hmm. and then I have it republished under your favorite uncle publishing in 2021 okay all right uh, to the um pandemic i think um 20 yes may okay we'll get to that hopefully awesome uh, do you own the copyright i do okay and um do you a good business person absolutely not <laughs> <laughs> all right uh why do you say that um, I think when I started in the self-publishing aspect, I just, I think I probably did about everything wrong in that as far as the checklist of getting my copyright check, getting the editor and publisher and um, such as Ingram Spark and Amazon um, mm. check. But within the business world of self-publishing, there's such a need and focus on marketing and sales analytics and keywords and so many things within the internet and social media atmosphere that I realized I just do not have the skill set to do this as well as when I did do the main publishing of this book I was in the mm. middle of grad school and then a pandemic which completely um 
sideline any attempt to try to learn the business skills. Mm. Um, so I think within my educational role now as an instructor, that's one of the main things I kind of use, just uh, teach students and walk through. This is everything you need to know. This is everything you need to be able to do if you're going to go the self-published route because you do need to have that business hat mm. and you can't just be, I want to write. Mm -hmm. uh, and of what you do know were you formally educated or were you self-taught um it is a bit of both um mm -hmm. back in college i worked for the department of english doing a lot of both co-teaching and consultation for the different professors there um so just for my job i had to learn a lot about um both the writing and then what in the writing sphere translates to publishing in the business aspects, um, as well as for the um, more self-taught stuff. It was a lot of trial and error of seeing um, both trial and error, as well as just my own research and seeing, okay, this is what needs to be done for a book to be successful. Um, and would you... And being able to guide other people into... Mm. would you this actually where you need to go yeah would you right. consider getting sort of um formal education or is it something that's so um for my current role now as um a now that i have resigned myself to the author role um kind of letting my publisher handle a lot of the more intricate things and then as well as an instructor role and walking students through this is how you get from the idea of i want to have a story to these are things you need to know mm. um i'm are you fully indeed, by the way? Are, are you fully indeed? am i fully i'm sorry i didn't catch that are you fully uh, published um at this point I would say no. I think the because I I republished my book through yes. um, a publisher this past February. Right. So you got a book deal. Yes. Okay. And how has that been very helpful? I mean, I know you sort of alluded to the fact that they take over a lot of the the marketing, I'd say, in the business side. Um, are you satisfied? Maybe, maybe you shouldn't answer that because you're still with them. So let's, uh, let's, 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 let's move on from that. Be, what I'll say in general, and this is not what you're saying, um, just to be clear, that a lot of people who sign with, um, with and get publishing deals, some of them report that they're not entirely satisfied because they still have to do, you know, a lot of the um, work and in promoting and marketing the book. I think that's correct that you can't just sign your name on a contract be fully hands off. There still is a lot of work that has to go into it on the author side. Yeah. Okay. Great. So moving on, it's um, 7.44 time index um, to production. So where do you, um, sorry, um, so are you digital um, or do you do both? Uh, we do both. So the 
digital version of the book is going through um, Amazon Kindle, whereas mm. the hard copies are going through Ingram Spark. Okay. Or rather, paperback. and how's that paperback? Okay. And how has that been? How's that experience been? Um, for the most part, it has been pretty good and straightforward. Um, I know with Amazon having the divided, while Ingram Spark could do your eBooks, mm. having Amazon take over the eBooks, there is a higher return rate um, in sales than if Ingram were to do it there. Um, both processes are really straightforward and easy to set up where it's just kind of having your formatting in the way they want it to be, um, uploading your cover, setting your prices, setting where you want books to be distributed, where you may not want them to be distributed. Mm. Um, I think there are some points where it could be a little bit tricky. For example, within my book, each chapter heading has a smoky background, which translates to jumping through a couple more editing and formatting hoops to appease um, the interfaces with Ingram and Amazon. Mm. And um, probably cheap um, or sort of expensive to go through those um, publishers. Were they publishers or wherever they are, organizations? Yeah. Um, Amazon would definitely be cheap. They don't charge the author anything mm. up front for that process. You know, if you want to get proof copies within Amazon, I believe they're about $6 um, for that. Whereas with Ingham Spark, it can be a little bit more expensive because mm -hmm. you have um, about like a $50 fee for each book you publish, mm -hmm. as well as because the quality of Ingram's materials are significantly higher than Amazon the cost of publishing and distribution as far as if you wanted to have order your own copies is going to be more than Amazon, where I believe with my proofs from Amazon, I paid $6 a book for my proofs from Ingram. I mm. paid 14 mm -hmm. um, However, that's also breaks down in context to page number, um, glossy cover versus matte cover, and... Um, a lot of it's the physical elements of the book that all go into that production cost. Mm -hmm. um, so just costs about $6 to, to Amazon? Um, it'll be $6 if you wanted to request a proof copy. Whereas if you just oh, want I to see. publish a book, there's not a cost associated no. with that. Oh, okay. And then to upload on Ingram is $50? Yes. And then $14 for a proof. About that, I guess, depending on the length of mm. your book and the materials you choose. Is it, help? is it helpful to get I mean, I, I know it is. Why, why is it helpful to get a proof? Um, it's helpful to get a proof because there's so many things that can go wrong be between mm. when you're looking at the PDF version on your computer and when you're holding a hard copy. Mm. Um, I think my first proof I saw... I hadn't, back when I did the self-published version of it in 2020, when I got the physical proofs, I saw that some of the font wasn't lined up how I had wanted it to be lined up, as well as mm -hmm. with the cover, 
it hadn't stretched fully across the physical space of the book. So there was almost kind of a gray outline um, mm -hmm. around the cover. And if I hadn't had the proof, I would have sold who knows how many of those mm -hmm. <laughs> copies of that, pre those pretty significant errors. Mm -hmm. Okay. Great. Um, fine. Um, so we, it, time is on 1227. Investment. So uh, in terms of blood, sweat, and tears, have you invested into the book? I'd say a lot. Both, I can kind of break it down from financially to mm -hmm. time and energy. Um, yes. Where I think unfinancially, especially within the self-published um, realm, there's, as for me, my main costs were the cost of the cover, cost of editing, cost of formatting. Um, and then I ended up with a, because I'm so used to being the editor, um, it was very difficult for me to find an editor yeah. that was at my level. Mm -hmm that I'd really trusted with my book. Mm -hmm. um, because I think the first two I went with still left tons of errors. Mm. Um, so I eventually found an editor who I trusted. Mm. Um, so that added up a little bit more time and definitely more wasted money. Um, but I think the main cost were the cost of editing, the cost of formatting, cost of the cover, cost of copyright purchase, cost of ISBN numbers. Um, How much approximately in total? So if I had to do approximately, I don't have the numbers right in front of me at this moment, but approximately that would come to about, I would say for what I spent, I would probably say maybe about, we're going to be pushing a thousand. Hmm. However, if I had gone through a traditional, um, one of the editors that I have found recently, um, I would, it would probably be closer to 2000, I would say, just depending on the editor you work with, fees and pricing. Um, so you've already spent 1000, um, but at the editor that you have just met, it would have been 2000. About that. So it's about a thousand for that good editor. So I don't want to say it's a thousand for that good editor. Mm. Um, it all depends on the person you can find and their rates. I know the editor I work with now is a. It I got lucky in that it happens to be a family member, mm -hmm. um, and it's more of a um, equal yeah. exchange of services mm -hmm. where I've seen some editors who have do really good work who may charge five hundred dollars mm. for a eighty thousand word book. Mm. Um so it's I want to say it's not impossible to find very good editors who won't charge maybe as much, but it's just gonna be a lot more work mm. tracking those individuals down. Mm -hmm. as well as um, being very careful that you properly vet their material. Yes. Well, what, what sort of editing did they do? 
so for my book, there was two, I think three different levels of editing. So there was the developmental edits, which were individual kind of reading through and pointing out mm -hmm. plot, consistency, characters, settings, and a lot of those big foundational support beams of the story. Mm -hmm. um, and I would maybe write this this way, or well, in chapter one, this thing was going on, whereas by the time we got to chapter four, this was a little bit off. Mm -hmm. um, then you have your um, line editing where you kind of get more into the proof, not so much the proofreading, but the phrasing, um, rewording sentences and structures. Then you have sure. your copy editing, which is that kind of final proofreading stage of mm -hmm. the typos, punctuation. Um, so I kind of had three different individuals go through each of those different stages. Yeah. Whereas now, um, moving forward, um, I have this one individual kind of going through each um, of those. And then, of course, you have your beta readers who will yes. read through your book and probably try to point out as much things particularly related to those developmental um, plot characters, reader engagement. And you want to have your beta readers go through that before an editor even touches the document. So if you were to advise somebody listening, um, what would you, how would you um, sort of advise them to avoid that um, mistake about making, uh, about um, getting a bad editor? My advice would be to, as much as you can, try to work with somebody who has, I don't want to say has high reviews because the first editor I worked with had outstanding reviews and they were mm -hmm. still trash. Mm -hmm. um, but work with somebody who you can really vet through the writing community, whether they have a official website and you can contact authors who have left the reviews and say, hey, how has this been working out? Contacting mm -hmm. other authors, mm -hmm. um, whether that be through Instagram, Facebook, whatever platform you might use even if you don't know anybody personally and say hey mm -hmm. who worked with your book mm -hmm. and kind of use that as the jumping board i think back when um back when 19 year old me wow that's forever ago um sent through the first wave of edits um i used an individual on fiverr i don't want to discount fiverr or any um, cause I know there are a lot of very good editors and um, freelancers who work through those type of websites. Um, however, I just trusted the 4.8 out of 5 star reviews and mm. just went with that without doing that additional research. Mm. Um, whereas my formatter, I did find through Fiverr, but because that was more of a physical, visual element, I was able to clearly see from mm. there um screenshots okay. and photos of this is what i do that okay i can i've seen what your work is i trust this whereas when you pay somebody to edit a nearly 300 page document um it can be a lot harder to 
open up that returned email and see mm. what they did and didn't do until sometimes it's too late. Yeah. I mean, another thing you could do is just ask them to do a chapter, um, give it to several people, and ask them to invest. It's a guarantee. I, I do like your idea about um, sort of um, about who has done what for whom, and then sort of um, using that as a as a way to get the best editor. Yeah, mm -hmm. awesome. Um, so, um, have you done any crowdfunding? I have not. Okay. I may invest. I may investigate that for uh, my upcoming um, projects, but at the moment, I haven't done any crowdfunding. Okay, and any investors or? Uh, no. Okay, and do you have any debt? Do not have any debt. Yeah. On the business. I do not. Oh, you don't. Oh, sorry. Okay. By the way, do do you actually consider it like um? Is it is it formed as a is it as a business or is it a service or a product as a company? And that is something I've kind of been really exploring over the past year. Mm. Um, I think it's a little bit of both between service and a product. Okay. Um, as for example, I, I consider my, within the writing realm, my primary roles being within a educational setting. I am, mm -hmm. I am contracted as an instructor with the Loft Literary Center in Minneapolis. I'm gonna be teaching um, workshop course this summer um, on just kind of the book writing process from, okay, I have this idea to what do you do with it? Um, as well as a lot of my editing services um, for whether it be authors or just other professionals such as academics, lawyers, etc. Um, and because I do am involved in so many different spheres, whether it be within the mental health community, the writing community, the music community, um, I see my books as just another extension of the business, which is my brand. My brand is myself, mm. where um, you have some income sources coming from the um, music side, some from what I do within the mental health, some within the books that I publish in the fantasy writing world. Um, so I think it's a lot of a kind of double helix blend between services provided and products given mm -hmm. or products sold. Mm -hmm. Okay. So just moving on um, to so it's time index 2309. Um, running the business, I and mean, we've touched on it a bit. Um, do you do you work on it full time? Obviously, you don't. <laughs> so it, it's more of a side thing for you, side hustle. Correct. I think mm -hmm. now I just finished uh, my graduate degree and licensure exams last week. Mm -hmm. um, so I. It has been very difficult trying to juggle um, this business, this world in the middle of um, both grad school and a pandemic. However, 
at some point down the road, I foresee things becoming far more of a full-time um, situation now mm -hmm. that I have the freedom to really dive in back into social media, back into writing, back into... Um, I've, I've maintained a lot of my individual clients throughout the past two years, um, but I haven't been able to fully explore how much I know that we're capable of. So right. I'm excited. Um, I'm anticipating within probably the next five years or so um, having a system that's more self-maintaining and full-time. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and in terms of um, the foundation of have a business plan? Um, initially, I did not, which was another deep complication. Um, I think that is one of the things I spent a lot of 2020 as well as um, early 2021 kind of really narrowing down, like, what is my business model? What do I need to do? Where am I going to focus my energies, my finances, mm. and then build off of from there? Mm. Okay. Or I definitely, I don't want to say I regret not jumping in blind um, those two, three years ago because I learned so much from all those experiences. Mm. However, now I have all this data in front of me. Mm -hmm. um, it's just time to start narrowing down. And, um, and and have you have you sort of pivoted at all your business plan? Have you changed it? Have you had to adapt it um, based on um, the situation that you, that um, we find ourselves in? Yes, I believe that when I first started, it was this idea of I want to be a fantasy writer and just do this, and I want to be able to support myself through writing books. However, now. Um, the model has changed to more of a, um, as for a little bit of context, within the mental health field, my main focuses are within something called narrative therapy and doing a lot of creative interventions, bringing in film and books and comic books and novels, etc. Um, so my main business plan now is a lot more um, education, psychoeducation, public speaking. Um, and the books that I write are more um, of an added bonus slash a advertising mechanism for me as a person and all the elements that I do um, kind of within that full-time setting. Okay. Um, and do you sort of um, include or incorporate um, sort of self-help and those sort of therapies within the book? I do. Um, uh, within uh, when we were still human, mm. um, there is a lot of kind of exploration of themes such as anxiety, depression, PTSD, um, as well as just a lot of the what it means to be human, what it means to struggle and have. Um, to be in force in between a rock and a hard place i know mm. um, that's probably some of the both a lot of the praise as well as the criticisms i've gotten um, mm. from this novel is 
just the remarks that even though it's a fantasy novel and you might have vampires and demons and um, ghouls and magicians, mm. everybody feels real and everybody feels human and you feel their joy and you feel their pain and can really dive into that awesome. mental yeah. health point where some people remarked like, wow, I have definitely seen myself in obvious shoes. This was mm. too real. Um, I needed to take a break, whereas other people was like, wow, I've learned so much. Mm. Um, I never would have met this type of person or been aware of this kind of thing had mm -hmm. I not read this. Um, which, yeah, that's good. Yeah. And um, it, I suppose it makes it more relatable. You can connect um, that way. Are you creating a series or is this a standalone? Um, it is a series, book two. Um, at this point, I believe, is set to release um, winter of 2021. Mm. Um, I anticipate there being about four to five books. Mm -hmm. um, I had the last scene written. Second book is pretty much just needs to go through the editing phase. Mm -hmm. um, but at this point, it's um, just connected where we are now to where the ending of the series is going to be um, as well as just a lot of that rewriting just because the writing model I've used has changed just because when I started this that was about seven years ago um, so a lot has changed in how I write and how I want to structure things. Mm -hmm. Imagine. Um, do you have a team? I do. So right now my team consists of as myself. Um, there's my publisher who handles a lot of, I guess, the Ingram Spark and Amazon side of things and more of the sales analytic um, and a good chunk of the advertising and marketing. Um, there's my editor, there's my formatter, and um, I am going to be signing on with a media team based in Canton, Ohio, who will be handling a lot of the social media and marketing um, starting later this summer. So I'm that's pretty exciting. excited to kind of expand <laughs> the team a little bit more. Oh, that's that's awesome. Um, did you you obviously signed a publishing contract? Did you have your own lawyers? I did not. Um, I believe if it was a different situation, I probably would have. However, mm. the publisher that um, the book is published through, I have been in contact and relationship with them and their CEO for several years and I've done yeah. editing um, in different capacities for them and their clients mm. so it was a situation where um, just by chance I was familiar enough with the company and how they operate individuals there um, as well as could kind of tweak the contract a little bit because I had <laughs> That relationship with naturally i want to have this clause saying that i can get out um, mm -hmm. earlier if need be um mm. 
and it was a uh, no problem. Mm -hmm. um, whereas if it was a publisher I was not familiar with and going in blind, just depending on the terms of the contract, I may have brought in a legal team. However, um, at least the contract I signed, um, the terms were straightforward and clear enough that there really um, wasn't mm -hmm. too much um, you see, even on that initial read through that I was concerned with. Mm -hmm. I hope you actually found, uh, I hope you found running the business has been a thing, a negative thing or mix. I think mixed would be, I guess, mixed skewed to the positive would be good. Mm -hmm. um, and because it's just been such an incredible learning experience, as well as being able to even the parts of the business that I hate, such as the um, marketing elements of it, being able to kind of gain this knowledge to share with my students and with other authors and even editing clients, um, I think it makes it completely worth it. And mm -hmm. even if it's like, oh, I'm not a big fan of this business thing, being able to kind of help guide other people through um, has been an incredible experience as well as just all of the different relationships within the writing community, whether it be um, other authors, other editors, um, hearing and talking to fans who have read the book and really appreciated it. Mm. Um, it's, I would have to say it's a positive, but everything has their pros and cons. Yeah. And it's, um, yeah. Yeah. What What's the worst? I think the worst aspect of the business has just been the. Again, I think my. Not being particularly skilled within that initial sales and marketing, and. Um, me being in a point where a, I am a writer. I am an editor. I just want to write this and have it sell itself. And it's that's just not how the game works. Mm. Um, so I think that's probably the worst part is a lot of the time that I would love to spend working on writing um, is spent in phone calls, <laughs> business meetings, um, and... Um, talking through ad campaigns. So thankfully I have a team now who handle a lot of the bulk of that. Um, however, at least for me, I know that's definitely probably the worst thing is that I can't just write. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. Sort of um, supplemental um, businesses sort of alongside the main book business to um, yes, I am currently kind of starting a anthology of short stories to kind of further drive into um, kind of drive people back into just the main book trail, as well as everything I do within um, both the mental health as well as the music world if I'm working with a music client and producing a song mm. or an album for them um, 
I carry that narrative story-driven element within it um, so that everything is kind of a golden thread that connects together. Um, so even if, let's say, um, a individual who's bought the book isn't interested in music or isn't interested in short stories or isn't interested in the psychology elements they're at least aware of that um and i found that having that kind of golden thread connecting each of these different realms together has been very beneficial as far as both gaining more of a following and gaining more interest and more opportunities um whereas for example the other couple weeks ago um I was speaking at a thing going over um, just basic stress management through um, and how to kind of have more mental health awareness and kind of sweeping in some elements of storytelling and some elements of a fantasy frame for that discourse, mm. which then led to conversations about my book, which um, so obviously some things that I'm not the type of person who's going to, hey, here's my book. You need to buy it at every element just because that's how you kind of drive away people from those other sidelines um, who just may not be interested. But Yeah, but there's a click, by the way. And I don't know if you hear that. Um, there's a click whenever you're so sorry. <laughs> um, right. No, I just wanted to say, OK, so you've got several things around the business. Um, you've got an, an anthology and then there, there are several other things that you mentioned yes um, yeah so I guess there's the music both within as a musician and then just kind of working on production stuff for mm. other artists um, there is a building anthology of short stories which um, ironically that we're talking about this because that will be continuing today mm. then it's my first week of freedom from graduate school um, yeah. then as well as just my um as primary quote-unquote day job as a therapist slash um mental health advocate mm. and a lot of the um whether it be speaking engagements or um different other kind of avenues I'll go through in that world. Oh, that's Just having everything weaving together. Exactly. That, that's actually really clever. And then that will lead to, um, you know, more sales. Absolutely. Right. That's awesome. Um, so moving on to sales, uh, time index 3909. Uh, selling in 2020 or republishing May 2020. Um, um and then, sorry, that, in, and then 2021. published in 2020, then republished in 2021. Oh, okay. And how have sales been in general? Um, for the first round, it has not been... I will completely admit that first round of sales in 2020 um, did not do well at all, mm. primarily because... Um, it had just been okay. I wrote the book. 
I made a couple of social media posts about it um, and threw it out into the void. Yes. Um, I think sales have definitely increased within 2021 and the far more um, we're kind of working with under my publisher who's been helping with a lot of that mm-hmm. um, marketing and he's the type of person who will just show up at places with a backpack of books mm. everywhere he goes it's like hey you need to buy this book <laughs> and um he seems to love that mm. element of things mm-hmm. um however within at least the current um contract that i have within this book it's that a i get a percentage per sales of each copy um however any cost accrued within the printing or distribution um, has to be paid off before I see my return within those. Um, So I believe I will be getting my, I think I just broke even with that. So yes, so starting, I guess this summer, um, we'll start seeing what sales look like. But I actually have a meeting this coming Monday to um, fully sit down and kind of talk about how we've been doing the ins and the outs and a lot more of those details. Awesome. Um, and, and so it's been sort of, it was slow at first and then it's sort of up and then, yeah, now has it leveled off or? I would say right now, it's, I think it's about leveled off. Okay. Um, so then what do you do in so with this situation Mm. uh, there's two things that i am actively working on now Mm. um the first is that because this is a series um when the second book releases later this year um there will be a far stronger more structured um release slash marketing launch within it as well as um at least here in Minneapolis with the different COVID restrictions lifting, um, the release will be able to be more successful. Like for example, when we, when I released initially in 2020, um, there was a number of bookstores where we were supposed to do signings and release parties and needless to say those got canceled. (laughs) And um, a lot of the in-person elements from conferences to signings to release parties um, all just didn't exist. Whereas within um, 2021 with book two, both having a team dedicated to the advertising and marketing within the online sphere, Mm -hmm. as well as being able to physically engage with um, businesses and organizations in a, um, in-person setting um, within Minneapolis that will a increase sales for book two as well as because it's book two and most people don't want to just jump into the middle of a series um, will yeah. as antici- will anticipate it um, increase mm-hmm. sales for book one mm-hmm. um, and how much does each book sell for um, so the paperback is twenty four ninety seven, and the ebook is nine ninety seven. Uh, twenty four ninety seven dollars. 
and the ebook is how much? Sorry, nine ninety seven. Nine ninety seven. Okay, and um, which has sold more, and in what proportion? Do you know? So, if I am remembering correctly, I believe the um, they are pretty neck. I know the ebook has definitely sold more, probably just because um, the digital age it is a lot easier um, for accessibility as well as um, the lower price point. Um, and then we have different sales where we might do um, for this time only um, ebook is 99 cents and um, you're running a and sale by having and by having a resting higher price point mm. um, you're able to dip lower um, on certain occasions and times of the year and increase profits within those um, highlighted areas. Okay. So hardback or paperback and ebook is about 50 50 in sales, uh, possibly more for the ebook. Correct. Okay. And then you've reduced it from 9.99 to 99 cents for a period. Is that correct? Uh, correct. Okay. Um, has that boosted sales? I recall that definitely did boost sales. I cannot give you an exact number because hmm. um, that would have been yeah. um, earlier this year. Okay. Okay. No worries. Um, great. Um, so where, where are you selling them? Where are you selling the books? You didn't mention Amazon and Ingram Spark. Um, so which platforms? Ingram yeah. Yeah, so Amazon um, Kindle has the ebook. Mm -hmm. The Ingram, Ingram Spark, the hardbacks are, or sorry, the paperbacks are distributed where you can buy them through Amazon as well, as well as different bookstores. You should be able to just go to, they say, the Barnes and Noble's website mm -hmm. um, and type it in, and they will be able to order a copy from Ingram. Mm -hmm. um, as well as now that COVID restrictions are lifted and we can get back to in person, we are looking into kind of targeting a series of um, coffee shops and small businesses to maintain the stock of the physical copies there. Um, just because bookstores are arguably the worst place to try to sell a book. Mm -hmm. um, especially if you are not a say new york times bestseller yeah okay uh great and would you say that um you're the best person to sell your book or would you hire some help a salesperson i would i would more than likely hire out and that's why i guess i'm really trusting my team for this summer um Whereas, obviously, I will be doing all that I can. I've just seen that where my skill sets lie. Yeah. In sort of, yeah. Okay. Um, and then moving on, um, it's time index 4733. Um, so what is your brand, would you say? I'd say my brand is me as a person. Mm. Um, and that's kind of been a little bit of that 
growing and exploring period over the past few years mm-hmm. of narrowing things down versus a if my brand was merely my book series a eulogy for our humanity um that would mean a loss in so many of the other things that i'm involved with whereas having my brand as my name with just a lot of different um trails coming out of that sure um, it's a lot easier to keep things all together yeah and um buying one of your products what's the first thing that they should uh, one word what what they should think about my brand as being both culturally informative as well as um i don't want to say educational because i feel like that has negative connotations but at least within the mental health field it should they should have an understanding of anything that bond touches um is going to give me a better insight into mental health and be a representation of culture and diversity and those are mm. whether it's anything i do i want that to be the utmost focus yep and um, what's the demographic or, or do, you, do you have that data um, who, who buys the book okay no worries um, yeah. okay um, and in terms of sort of value proposition what problem are you solving for the reader or, or yeah or what need are you fulfilling is your book fulfilling that is yeah i think the need that my book is fulfilling is two things on one level it is fulfilling a desire to see a diverse cast within a fantasy novel that's mm. because so much of the genre has been um largely whitewashed over the centuries mm-hmm. um and really kind of bringing in both different parts of the world, different skin colors, different languages, and um, really kind of allowing the reader to see themselves within the pages mm-hmm. versus imagining what it would be like to be there. Um, and I think the second need that it's filling is um, that it's fighting cliches mm-hmm. and that one of the things i love so much about the eulogy for our humanity series is that it weaves in elements from so many different sources from um different mythologies and legends um some original things for example from when we were so human um you have the reincarnation of vladimir dracul um as one of the seven deadly sins you have um one of the characters arcs involves a lot of ties within lewis carroll's alice in wonderland um which has been a big hit for a lot of readers particularly in that um high school young adult um area so anybody who's familiar with it um you have the comedy you have the um 
horror, you have the tragedy. Um, and I think one thing that I've kind of gotten some feedback on, which was really intentional, is that um, it really fulfills a need of focusing on the characters and what makes the most logical sense. Mm. Um, I think as well as kind of that diversity element of it as well, one of the key points that I really was super intentional, at least within this series, is that um, I refuse to do love triangles. I refuse to have any um, romance plots just because there is such a huge population of people who are single mm. and are happily single. And while I think there definitely is a place for love and romance within novels, um, I just know back even when I was single how um, almost alienating it was to every time you turn on TV or open a book, it has to be people falling in love in a relatively short amount of time mm. and <laughs> really happily after after. Mm -hmm. And I really just wanted to write something for people to see like, wow, you can just have close friends and that be satisfying or you can be satisfied in, in, in your own mm. um, company. The romance sells so well. I think it's the highest selling actually of um, a new genre. Um, that might be <laughs> something yeah. to think about. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, I definitely, I definitely am aware of yeah. the money that yes. <laughs> genre brings in. Yeah. So at least for me, it's more of a... It's authentic that you want it. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's that's absolutely right. Um I you did touch on the reviews. Um good reviews, medium, bad. Uh, for the reviews that I've gotten, um a lot of it has been for better or worse, a lot of direct feedback. Mm -hmm. Um there's but I think for the most part it's positive reviews. I think the negative ones were negative in the sense of um people who may have said I like reading fantasy to escape um, reality, whereas because your fantasy novel is so grounded in reality, um, some people were really saying, I just can't escape. And yeah. I can't really enjoy it because um, mm. I feel the fear of this <laughs> being attacked by a monster. Uh. And um, so it was just for me, even those quote unquote negative reviews were kind of positive for me because i guess like okay i guess i did my job mm. i guess it's just not because mm. every book's not going to be for everybody of course um and what would you liken your book to what big would know um i think when i think of what is my brand i think of a number of different things a lot of my world building inspiration came from the series Mortal Instruments by Cassandra Clare. Mm. Um, I think recently, I think a lot, I would say fans of Victoria Schwab, particularly the Darker Shade of Magic series. Um, I would say, I would throw out X-Men. I would specifically point out different Japanese series, such as Tokyo Ghoul, Seven Deadly Sins, um, I found that to be a really big correlation a lot of readers draw, which I'm glad to see, is that um, fans of a lot of these different manga series, such as Tokyo Ghoul, mm. um, sure. and relate with 
American novel, which is called mm-hmm. Lucy. Um, and how does, how's yours different from those? I think mine is different within the sense of has a very both wide cast as well as the exploration of diversity as well as I think the ever-changing setting and themes whereas within book one we start in a hospital in Pennsylvania mm-hmm. and the book ends in a hallway in a castle that's medieval themed mm-hmm. in what is more or less considered heaven mm-hmm. um, we have a graveyard from Norse mythology where the Fae were murdered um, and have now gone extinct um, we have a focus within the characters exploring their mental health and grasp for humanity and whereas when I look at different things like say X-Men where you have more of a it all depends because because Marvel is so strange because there's so many different versions of everything from the comics to the movies to different television shows but overall I think my book has a lot more of a reality groundedness to it um, and even as people are breathing fire or diving into the shadows there's still a this is a real person who I know or have met in real life mm-hmm. who maybe I like maybe I hate them with a passion mm-hmm. but I can see their humanness um, yeah. and I think that's something that a lot of things within the fantasy genre mm-hmm. um, are yeah. able to fully balance between mm-hmm. that reality and fantasy Okay, so there's lots of um, re- um, you said it's culturally informative and it's educational with terms of um, sort of mental health um, uh, issues, um, and that there's a need, um, you're fulfilling the need of greater diversity within fantasy and fighting cliches. Um, how do you then capture, or, 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 or rather, do you try and capture that in your marketing and how? I would say that I will answer your question regarding how our marketing is going to be moving forward. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of that is going to be focused on as this kind of our meetings going forward. A lot of the marketing is going to be focused a lot more on the, Hey, this is what we do. This is what we're trying to do. And Mm -hmm. a lot more of the push within different blogs and blogs and maybe short story anthologies um, more overtly tackling those concepts in a narrowed space Mm -hmm. Um, whether it be this story is really going to highlight diversity or this video segment is really going to highlight mental health Mm -hmm. Um, then as well as as I'm marketing this the different educational and editing elements that I perform it's going to be a lot of I think a huge part of the class I'm teaching this summer is how to fight cliches and kind of 
I don't want to say make your way to the top of the barrel, mm-hmm. uh, but just how to stand above the rest as much as you can. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because mm-hmm. on one hand, there's the saying, it's do like an artist. And there's no such thing as an original idea. And there's so much overlap within themes and concepts. So it's a matter of how can you make yourself similar enough that you don't ostracize yourself from the rest of your genre or community, but still stay um, unique. And there's going to be a lot more of a push within the marketing. And when I say marketing, I'm referring more to those different side businesses we were talking about earlier um, that are going to probably have a mention of the book or a small ad for the book within each of those different formats Mm -hmm. Um, so that there's that association between the specific thing we're talking about on Monday and the book or this thing we're talking about on Thursday and the book Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of that Mm -hmm. repetition and association Mm -hmm how i'm just thinking the be correct in saying that there's um it's like a magical realism diversity and breaking stereotypes why i think that'd be correct okay okay how um, how you're going to do that would be vlogging and um some teaching yep and then okay um and uh, I was going to actually one more one more thing. Um, are you they? I do sort of have an idea. Things that you've said, but um, would you say that you're a data d- driven business? Um, from when we started to the mm-hmm. present, I would say no. Mm-hmm. Um, however, moving forward, I um, I'm really pushing my team to. Do their job within collecting that data and mm-hmm. managing it to mm-hmm. become a data-driven business. Mm-hmm. Because you'd want to know who's your customer, you know why they are buying it and, and things like that. Absolutely. I mean, have you gotten any data thus far? I mean, you don't have to say, but say who's your customer. My typical customer are. Individuals probably ranging between ages 17 and 30. Mm. Um, noticing a lot more female buyers than men. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think I kind of gets into, I cannot remember the actual statistics, but that seems to fit around within the sniffer industry genre. Mm-hmm. Um, Were you surprised? I was not. Okay. <laughs> okay, that's interesting. Um, that's interesting. Okay, so time index is um, 63.24. Um, very quickly, this one is about return on investment. It's just one question, really, which is, has it been a experience? Has it been worth it? I believe it has. Mm-hmm. Um as I was kind of looking through, I guess, the different Excel documents and such over a couple of weeks ago, 
and is thinking about where things are going to go moving forward. Um, I think both the time, the money, and energy spent within this book um, over the past two years is a colossal foundation for where I plan to kind of build the empire going forward. Mm -hmm. um, so I would say every both success and every failure has been worth it in mm -hmm. creating this new business plan of moving forward and um, this increasing followership followers. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Okay, so moving on to the last segment, um, time index 6438. Um, so what, what are your measures of um, success, of business success? Um, so current measures of business success are mm -hmm. um, pretty similar in two things. And on one level, they're going to be sales. On another level, they're going to be um, audience engagement um, whether that be um, people contacting me as a team directly is whether that be um, people commenting on um, a story or a post or leaving reviews and um, I think I was had a conversation with somebody not too long ago um, as who had bought the book and like, oh, I love, oh, I bought the book, but I just didn't really read it. And oh, wow. for me, it's a, um, well, that's not a success for me. <laughs> um, and albeit, I mean, if I made zero dollars or negative dollars, that would not be a success. But <laughs> the biggest success is that audience engagement and people pre. I am not sure what happened there. I kicked off. I don't know. I just looked at my screen and was back to the anchor. Wow. Okay. Don't know what's going on there. Um, no worries. We'll just continue and then um, wrap up. Um, if that's all right. Okay. Um, who has been your book um, role model? Or do you have one? Definitely the Schwab or Victoria Schwab. Sure. Um, when I did a lot of my rewrites, um, when I read Darker Shade of Magic for the first time, it was just a, oh, this is what I'm doing wrong. Mm. <laughs> and um, I think her, her as well as the fantasy author Garth Nix, specifically within the Aberson trilogy. Okay. Um, and what are the big, big opportunities that you see? Can you rephrase the question? Sorry. Um, so, uh, going forward, are there any opportunities that you would like to, um, to grab?
and where do you see yourself in like five years time with your business in five years time mm -hmm. i see myself Great. So I think we've reached the end. Um, I mean, I, uh, I mean, during the actual interview, I was very interested to actually learn about the book itself. Um, wondering if you just give us a few lines about um, the, the premise.
that's that's powerful stuff it really is great so we've come to the end of the podcast um where can people find you and do you have a website i do my website is on a foster.com um, pretty straightforward that's on the is victor a-u-g-h-n-a foster.com um, you can also find me on instagram at the the a foster Thank you very much for taking um, This has been really, really great. Um, I'm sure I certainly learned a lot. I'm sure a lot as well. Um, I will be open. Um, and yeah, I'm sure that you will be. And girls, say, ah, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. It's great talking to you. You too. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. Right.